Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. But right now, I want you to focus your prayers that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and give you greater revelation of the Father's love for you. Father, we thank you that you're a good, good Father, that there is nothing in you that is less than good, that all your ways are perfect and good. We declare that you're good all the time, and we give you praise and honor and glory for your faithfulness to us. We ask you to give us greater revelation of your love, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I need you to follow along with me now because these three passages are very critical uh, to this morning. Turn with me to the book of Mark, please. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 36. The context of this passage is that Jesus was in his crisis hour. He was only hours away from the most cruel, bloody murder that you can imagine only hours away from having to not only go through a cruel and bloody murder, but to carry my sin and yours on himself as the sinless Son of God. And I want you to notice uh, what he does, how he prays, not just what he prays, but how he prays. Uh, If we'll back up there just a minute, he says in verse 34, he says to his disciples, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther, fell on the ground, and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Now would you turn to the epistle of Romans in chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The word Abba is an Aramaic term. Jesus spoke Aramaic while he was on the earth. And it has to do with a term for father that is far more than formal or official. It is intimate, and yet it's respectful. I've chosen not to use the term daddy. To me, it's more like Jesus is saying, dear, precious Father, dear, precious Father, if there's any way that I don't have to walk through this, Take this assignment away from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. So we go to the, to the epistle of Romans, and in the eighth chapter, we've been talking about, in this discussion, Paul is talking about those who are led by the Spirit. They are the sons of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. 
What do you mean bondage again? Understand that with Adam's spiritual genes, we were all born in bondage and fear permeated our inner man before we were reborn. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit, the Holy Spirit of adoption. Why adoption? Because we were born in Adam's family, we had to be reborn by the adoptive love of God into God's family. You have received the spirit of adoption by whom? By the Holy Spirit we cry out. Notice it's a heart cry. We cry out, Abba, dear, precious Father. So what the Holy Spirit is doing is crying out, dear, precious Father. But notice here that the Word says you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now, go with me toward the back of your Bible to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. So the Holy Spirit is crying out within your reborn human spirit. You may not hear it right now, but you need to understand on the basis of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is crying out. There's a heart cry on the inside of you for the Father. Oh, Lord. 1 John chapter 4. I want you to see, begin with verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. God is unconditional, unrelenting love. And he who abides in that unconditional, unrelenting love abides in God and God in him. And love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Remember, God is that unconditional, unrelenting love. There is no fear in God's kind of love. Perfect love casts out fear. So no wonder in the passage we just read in Romans 8 that the Spirit is crying out within us, we who've been adopted into His family, born again, reborn by the blood of Jesus and, the, and, and sealed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. That Spirit is crying out to us for Abba, Father, greater revelation of the love of our dear, precious, holy, heavenly Father. So everybody should be beginning to understand. Now one more I want you to turn to is Galatians. Turn back to the right. Go to Galatians chapter 4. That is right from Romans. Galatians chapter 4. This is talking about our relationship with our Father. We're sons and daughters. In verse 6, chapter 4 of Galatians, he says, And because you're sons, and understand This is not talking about gender. This is kind of like you would say mankind. It means men and women. Because you are children of God, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, 
And what is the Spirit in you doing? Crying out. Abba, dear, precious Father. So understand that on the inside of every one of us who are born again, there is a heart cry for the Father. The Spirit of God is crying out in you right now for the Father, for the love of the Father to be revealed. Because God's, the epitome of His very, the essence of His character is His love. Would to God that we would get greater revelation of that love as we walk our journey. The Father's heart is loving. Well, what, what does that mean? 1 Corinthians 13 is a, is a description of what God's love is like. Our Father's love, which the Holy Spirit in you is crying out for, is patient. I've been asking the Lord for greater revelation of His love, and it seems like every time I do that, He gives me greater opportunities to be patient. Imagine that. And uh, I was uncomfortable with all the patience I was having to give out recently, and the Spirit said, will you ask me for greater revelation of my love? And the very first manifestation of love is patience. Hmm. It's kind. 1 Corinthians 13 says it doesn't demand its own way. It's without a selfish agenda. It's not easily provoked. Love is slow to anger. It doesn't get irritated and angry quickly. So if I want a greater revelation of the Father, I got to submit to the, how the love of God is manifested in me, or I'm praying illegitimately. The love of our Father that we cry out for by the Holy Spirit, that heart cry is to be affirmed. Every human being born into this world, born, created in the image and likeness of God, desires to be affirmed. That is, that means to have the approval that is, that heals all brokenness to be affirmed. It means to be shown value. Now understand, in, in our culture, uh, there is a lie floating around out there, and that is that God approves of anybody and everybody and any choice they make. No, God loves and values anybody and everybody just the same. But because he loves and affirms doesn't mean he approves of all of our choices. It does not mean that. You know, um, our whole culture has become permissive, and I am I'm concerned that in the body of Christ, it has filtered into our own psyche of becoming too permissive about things that are not acceptable in the eyes of God. Understand this, that being permissive is not the same thing as being loving. Being, 
The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 6, that whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Mm. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And he says, if you are without correction, you're not even a child of God. Because the Lord loves and corrects those that that he loves. Why? Because he doesn't want to see a self-destruct. It's not to withhold something good from us. It's to keep us from self-destruction. God's love is corrective, but it's not punitive. Jesus took all the punishment for my sin and yours on himself at the cross. But discipline in in the Greek means correction. I don't know about you, but at my not old age, at my mature age, I seem to get more correction now than I ever did. You know why? I'm listening for it more closely. It's a beautiful thing. It is out of a heart of love. So I would say to you fathers today, understand that the love of God will sometimes call you to take a stand. You, 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 may, you may need fathers to understand that you are not always supposed to give your children the right to do whatever they want to do. You, you, you may not should allow them to go wherever they want to go. You may not should allow them to wear whatever they want to wear. This is not popular preaching. You may not should allow them to go with whoever they choose to associate with. What I'm trying to tell you is a father who is operating in love understands that there, he can see some things that the children who are not of age can't see. And sometimes the restriction of choices feels like it's unfair and even punitive. But I want to tell you, be strong enough in the love of God, be strong enough in the love for your children that you stand your ground. It is better to operate in the love of God than it is to win your children's popularity contest. Sometimes there's a difference. We have to hear the truth, don't we? The Father's love. Sometimes I get overruled when I make my request before the throne of God. Not because God wants to withhold something good from me, but because He wants me to have the best, and sometimes my desires are inferior to the best. So, what should we do? Understand that the Father's heart is always loving, even when it involves correction. The Father's heart is not only loving, but there is a heart cry in all of us for our Heavenly Father's strength. Jesus cried out for it in the garden, Abba, Father. It's a heart cry for strength, not just for love, but for strength. 
So many times the Spirit, when we're going through great adversity, when we're going through pressure and heartache, when we're going through disappointment and, and a failure to understand, we need the strength of our Abba Father. Strength. So many times I've heard people say, well, I greatly admired my father and his strength. You know, sometimes um, really getting a greater revelation of our heavenly father can sometimes be impeded by the failings of our earthly fathers. Here's what I'd like for you to do today. If you are still holding on to hurts and disappointments about your earthly father, would you go before Jesus today and forgive him? Just take him before Jesus and say, Lord, by your mercy and grace, I hereby release and I forgive my father for all the failings. I forgive my father for all the ways that he didn't reflect your love, your mercy, your grace. I forgive him for all the times that he wasn't there when I needed him. Absence is a lot of pain. Would you just go before God and say, I forgive my earthly father for his failings in Jesus' name. I see people carry wounds from their earthly fathers till the day they die. Releasing and forgiving won't wipe it away, but you won't have to carry all the questions about that in the rest of your life. Some of you had genetic, natural men who birthed you, who impregnated a woman but have never been in your life. It's hard to understand. Would you go before God and without understanding, would you just forgive them in Jesus' name? Forgive them in Jesus' name. And ask the Lord to give you the grace to do so. And uh, may I offer a suggestion as your pastor if God has put you into an adoptive situation, that is a high, 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 high honor because that's the way the kingdom operates. Every one of us were not naturally born into the kingdom. We were adopted into there. It's a holy thing. And so maybe you shouldn't spend so much time and energy trying to figure out why somebody left you and give more time and praise to the God who loved you and wanted you and put others into your life to help you through your youth. We cry out for the Father and His strength through prayer and perseverance. I want you to look at something for me here in uh, Philippians now. Uh, if you're in Galatians, go to the right to Philippians. If you go to Colossians, you've gone too far. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see something that, you know, 
we usually don't associate humbling ourselves with strength. <clears throat> One of the most beautiful things at Pastor Joe's memorial service I don't know if you hung on to this or not, but one of the men who had sat under Pastor Joe's mentoring for years made this statement. He said, Papa Joe taught us to say we're sorry even when we were right. Because Papa Joe taught us that it was more important to invest in a relationship than it was to win a victory. Oh, hallelujah. Whew, man. Is that a powerful word or what? Our Father, we're crying out, Abba, Father, we're crying out for strength. And there's strength in humbling ourselves. Let us look at verse 5, chapter 2 of Philippians. Let this mind be in you. Now, I remind you, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, you have the mind of Christ. Let this mind, which, is, which was in Christ Jesus and is also in you, let it be in you, who, although Christ Jesus being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He, he, he was and is and always will be equal to God. But look what he did, verse 7. But he made himself of no reputation. He didn't call on his rights and privileges as God. He took the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself. The Bible tells us that it was through the creative act of Jesus the Son that all things were created. He was the agent of the Godhead that created all things. And yet, when he comes to the earth, he humbles himself. He lays aside his rights and privileges as God and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So when Jesus humbled himself, how did that affect God the Father? Look at verse 9. Therefore, because of that humbling himself, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and those in heaven and on earth and those under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God is supernaturally attracted to those who will humble themselves. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that He may exalt you at the right time. Exaltation comes to those who will humble themselves. It's not about proving that you are right. It's about humbling yourself before the Lord. Someone came to see me not long ago with a very deep and serious wound and an offense that uh, was greatly painful. And... Um, as we talked about it for several minutes, 
I uh, said to them, you know, this is not about you. This is about you and Jesus. And the person was taken aback by that. And uh, so I said to them, uh, you know, you have a wonderful opportunity here to be exalted before the Lord. You have a wonderful opportunity to receive some promotion in God's eyes. And that is, if you will not insist on being right, if you will humble yourself before the Lord, and remember that this is about you and Jesus being right, and I want to remind you that Jesus forgave all of those who offended him before they acknowledged it and apologized. Hmm. Revelation came. And guess what follows Revelation? Restoration. So let's all ask the Lord, what do you want to tell me? And I will humble myself and do what Jesus did by your grace, by the Holy Spirit, I will become obedient. Don't forget, your father is extremely attracted to someone who will humble themselves, who will admit their need, who will not be concerned about winning an argument, but staying in fellowship with Jesus. He is attracted to that. And there will be a promotion and exalting. So the spirit within us is crying out for the love of the father, for the strength of the father, and for the wisdom of the Father. My dad died on his way to work one day at 26, when I was 26. You say, Pastor, when I think about all the stuff you've been through <laughs> with, golly, I mean, I hope it's not catching. <laughs> no, it's not. But I want to tell you, if I'm going to submit to spiritual leadership, I'm going to submit to somebody who's been through some stuff, not somebody that lives in an ivy tower and don't know anything about real life. Amen? Amen. Boy, I could have used my dad. 26, died on his way to work. He, it was rough. But the thing I really miss most was I could have really used his wisdom. I could have really used his wisdom. You know what wisdom is, don't you? It's a top-down view. And how many of you know that to develop a top-down view usually requires having some experience? Seeing some things. Our Heavenly Father has all the wisdom. 
And I love James 1, 5 where he says, If you lack wisdom, ask God who will give it to you without finding fault with you. What a powerful promise that is. Wisdom sees people and circumstances and even our enemies as they really are. And he sees opportunities that we have for growth and advancement and even promotion. Wisdom encourages, but it also loves us enough to tell us the truth. You ever notice how God, um, you ever notice how he confronts? God confronts by asking questions. He doesn't say, why, you sorry so-and-so. No, no. Remember when Adam and Eve did the ultimate sin? How did God approach that? Here's what he did. The word says he came walking towards them in the cool of the day. He pursued them. How about that? They offended him, but he pursued them. Wow. And notice notice what he did next. He asked a question. Where are you? Where are you? Maybe wisdom, if you had the wisdom of the Father in those that you desire for a restoration of fellowship, maybe you should say, help me understand where you are. What Adam say? Well, I'm hiding. I, I was afraid. I'm hiding. And we're, we're naked. We're, 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 now we've got shame. You notice what the father did? He said, oh, I told you so. No. Next thing the father did was he asked another question. He said, who told you that? Who are you listening to? Where are you? Who are you listening to? Where do you get that information? Where did you get that? Where did you get that? And then you remember what Adam did. He blamed it all on Eve. And God wouldn't let him off the hook. He said, well, you know, the woman you gave me, it's your fault after all. I mean, God, if you hadn't given me this person or that person or this circumstance, I wouldn't be like this. I'm all squirreled up because of you, really. Notice what, you notice what God did. He didn't even get into an argument. But understand that the way you take ground in relationships is through asking the right questions. In love. Impatience. Now, sometimes those questions sting, and that's okay too. But we got to have the wisdom of the Father to know how to do it, when to do it, and in what manner. Learning to ask the right questions. You know, a question might be you might ask this to your children. 
Why is this so important to you? If, you have, if you're troubled about a decision the children who are living under your house make, maybe you want to ask them, why is this so important to you? And then listen to what they say. You might want to ask, how will this get you where you want to be? How will this get you where you want to be? Where will this lead you? What if this doesn't turn out the way you plan? Learn to ask questions. Ask the Father for wisdom. But I want to look at one other scripture here today in closing, and it's in the book of Colossians, and it's chapter 3. And listen to this. Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. How do you provoke your children and lead them down a path of discouragement? Our Heavenly Father would not do that. Our Heavenly Father does not try to pick fights with me. Just yours. The Heavenly Father never shames me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Any condemnation you're experiencing didn't come from God. So, how would I not exasperate, not provoke, not discourage my children? One way that I would, that I would discourage my children is if I am consciously or subconsciously trying to control their direction, that is to enforce my own agenda. Am I doing this so I won't be embarrassed or because I want them to do what I want them to do? You got to come clean about that. That will exasperate and discourage your children. We can also discourage our children by withholding our affection from them. Sometimes you have to stop bailing your children out. You just do. But even when you stop bailing them out, and that's right and, and good, they really need to get it and begin to have the opportunity to trust God as their resource, to trust God as their provider, to trust God as their counselor. And boy, is it painful to stop bailing them out. But even when you do that, you still affirm them that you love them and that they are valuable to you. They probably won't understand that in the beginning. They probably won't understand that. And guess what? You didn't either. So don't be so hard on them. Understand, though, that the greatest thing you can do is walk in a way that you encourage your children under your roof and out from under your roof.
to see their Heavenly Father as their provider, their constant, constant lover of their soul. And always cry out to Him for wisdom. He'll give it to you. He says He will. He'll give it to you. The heart of the Father is loving. It's strong. It's wise. Oh, and there's a million other things we don't have time to go into. But remember what the Scriptures told us this morning. The Spirit of God is in you crying out, Abba, dear Father. Join the words of the Holy Spirit. Cry out sometime, Father, dear Father. And the Word says, let your request be made known unto God. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I ask you to heal the brokenness of those who have earthly father hurts. Some of which that have not even been identified. I thank you that the love that you have for us is a healing and a restorative love. And although we may have to walk with wounds on this earth, we thank you that your grace is always greater, always greater than our pain. And we praise you for that, Lord. We thank you that you are for us and a good God. Give us greater revelation of your love, Lord, and may we be more mindful that to really receive your strength, we have to humble ourselves, submit to you, trusting your spirit to give us the strength to obey, knowing that you're a good God, a wonderful Father. How we ask you for your wisdom, Lord. We just don't have the wisdom we need. We ask you, God, to enable us to see things the way you see them. To operate in strength, to operate in love. And to know that we're not in control. Our job is obedience and input, not final results. So we commit all of our decisions, we commit the relationships of our lives over to you. We thank you that your motives are always pure. I thank you for the grace you've given me, Father, when I failed you. Thank you for your grace in those times that I've made inferior decisions. Thank you for the opportunities and the grace you've given me. Thank you for entrusting me and thank you for entrusting Dina with the greatest gift that we could have been given on this earth. We thank you so much for the honor of being parents and I especially want to thank you Father for the honor of being called Father on this earth. And I thank you for the continuing honor that I've received even today of being called so many times a spiritual father. 
thank you for that honor, God. I'm not worthy of it. I thank you. But you've bestowed it on me. I give you praise for it. God, give us greater revelation, not only of your love and strength, but your wisdom. And we cry that out to you with a heart cry that cries out, Abba, Father, we thank you that you're listening to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll see you next week. Go with God. He's going with you. We'll see you then. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.